What's up, everybody? Welcome to For the Record, episode number 47. This one's coming to you as a bonus episode this week. I explained in the last episode kind of how we were supposed to go live uh, last week, and uh, some things just it didn't pan out the way that I wanted it to. Anyway, you can listen to my whole little thing at the beginning of the Book of VA episode. Um, but this is, I'm going to count this as a bonus episode. It was still supposed to go live this week. But we're going to put the one that is supposed to go up next Wednesday up tomorrow. And this one, which was supposed to go up tomorrow, up today. I made that far more confusing than it really should have been. But you get the idea. Anyway, um, I, I'm really fucking stoked for you guys to hear this. This is with Sean from Alisana. Um, you guys may know this band. I... I grew up in high school listening to them. A friend of mine named Ben introduced me to them back when we were playing, um, when we were playing in bands together and things like that in high school, um, and I instantly fell in love with them. Um, he showed me the record um, uh, when Myth Fades to Legend, um, and it was it it really it was it was so different to me in terms of like in terms of metalcore and in terms of what that genre was really able to present. So it was a fascinating chat. The band are having a book come out. Um, and by book, like a, I believe he said it was like a 296 page novel about the story of Annabelle, um, which was a story that was tracked through the band's past three albums. Um, the emptiness, uh, a place where the sun is silent and, um, uh, the Confessions album. Um, so it, it, I can't wait to check it out. Um, there's a, we're gonna put all of the pre-order links and all that fun stuff in um, in the link below to this. But uh, please enjoy this really special episode. This was a lot of fun. It was really it was really cool to chat with someone whose music I'd listened to for so long. Um, and uh, just kind of talk about the progression. I got a lot of questions answered for me and i hope it'll answer a lot of questions for you guys if you have any of them about the band and kind of the the direction that they took um also go get the confessions album if you ever get a chance it's it's fucking ridiculous and it's um personally to me it's one of the best things they ever put out um but hearing him talking about the the writing process of the book and um the different processes of writing for all of the different albums throughout the trilogy and before that and and all this stuff it, it was fascinating to me and i hope i hope you guys enjoy it too so here we go episode number 47 with alisana enjoy Um, stoked to hear you guys were doing some press surrounding the book. Yeah, I'm doing well, man. Now that the uh, 
the book is officially in the hands of the printer, I can breathe a little bit. Awesome. Um, writing, writing a book was certainly a brand new experience for me. Um, something I've thought about doing for years and years and definitely thought about doing surrounding our, our trilogy. But, you know, it's one of those once you dig in and start to do it, you really have a newfound respect for authors and what it is that they do because it is an entirely different beast than, you know, writing excerpts or writing songs and lyrics and such. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I was always curious, and that's something that I've always... And I've, I've listened to you guys for many, many years, and I think that I, I followed the Annabelle trilogy and all that um, all that stuff all throughout college um, when the albums were... Yeah, that was about the time that the albums were released around... Yeah, about that time. Um, but I was always curious to know um, in regards to writing, now that you've written a book and now that you've kind of written the story out behind it, what was the layout for you guys when you were writing when you were writing the trilogy itself in the album format. So it's, I, you guys had a story, but what, like, what was it, what was the layout for you like in that sense with, with bringing that to life musically? So what it was, you know, with, with the emptiness, it was kind of like, okay, Dennis and I created this universe, came up with, you know, point, point A through Z, that kind of thing. We're like, all right, this, this is kind of cool. Let's do it like this. And we're going to write it really briefly because, you know, you want it to be able to include it as a part of the, the CD layout. So it's like, the, it's like the second booklet could be 96 pages long. It of had course. to be reasonable. Um, and so really for me, even back then, it was like, okay, let's, let's get these basic kind of plot points out there that'll ultimately be just excerpts in the big picture when that big picture eventually comes. Yeah. So the story had to exist on its own. Like, it had to make sense, as those 11 chapters include the CD, yeah. but it also had to... I had to know that eventually I was going to have to make sense of it on a bigger scale. Um, and to be honest with you, that is one of my favorite things about the book, Annabelle, is is the way the emptiness got used in the final story itself. Super twisty, never could possibly see it coming, and it, and it got to the emptiness largely got to stay in its exact form as a place in the book. Um, whereas, you know, the confession stuff that we had sort of written out in excerpt, but we actually didn't even include with, with the album because confessions was, it's sort of the glue that holds this whole story together. And to do excerpts of confession did one of two things, either A, it spoiled too much or B, it just didn't make sense because it needed to tie so much into everything else that was going on. Um, but yeah, I was really excited to be able to include the emptiness stuff pretty much unedited and unscathed from how it originally was delivered. It just plays a role in the story as a whole that, you know, nobody could possibly see coming. That's awesome. And I think that not only does that create a surprise element, but it's it's a nice little it's almost like even though it, the, the story's not that at least to the fans it's not that terribly old. It's it's like a it's a little nostalgia trip for everybody because you're kind of like oh shit I didn't see how that would tie in I didn't see how it's like that's something that, uh, that that's an element of that album that everybody can I that everybody identifies with and remembers which is I think that makes it a really um, that really makes it a really cool moment. Yeah, for sure. And you know the important thing with the book was I didn't want people who read the emptiness or read a place with the silent excerpts to be like. Oh, why would I want this book? I already read it. Yeah, you know, I, I wanted it to be a much, much richer experience for people. And you know, I think the the book just physically lets readers know right off the bat that this is going to be a far different experience because 
you know, the excerpt included with the emptiness and a place where the sun is silent were roughly two pages per chapter, 10 or 11 chapters, 12 chapters, you know, 24, 26 pages, maybe max. And the book sits at 296 pages, all told. So, yeah. you know, the universe completely opens, you know, wide open uh, when you actually read the book. Do you think you guys and I and I am um, I swear to God I'm not saying this just to kind of like not to like generate any any press headlines or anything, but do you guys think that you might ever venture into movie territory with trying to bring it to life? So, Annabelle and, and this whole universe that we did is such a part of everything that I am now. I mean, for the last seven years, yeah, <laughs> never it's always been there somewhere with whatever other venture I was doing or album I was writing or whatever. Yeah. It was always there, like, you know, I, I've made this comment before, but there's nights that I'll jump out of bed and terrify my wife because I had this idea and I just had to run the computer and like, what the hell are you doing, you know? Um, but yeah, so for me, and I just, I love to dream big with everything I do. And, you know, sometimes fans will, will get upset because I'll throw out these, these big grand ideas that don't, don't always come to be. And they're like, oh, you promised you would do this. But I didn't promise anything. I'm just <laughs> letting you know that these are things I would love to try to do, but I'm, I'm only one man here. <laughs> it's tough yeah. to get it all done at once. <laughs> but yeah, certainly. Um, my, my sister-in-law, she is a filmmaker in L.A., uh, her and her fiancé. And I've already had early conversations with the two of them about yes. turning this into a short film. We've talked about the idea of making it like... Um, like a serialized, where maybe you break it up into five or six parts and release the parts on YouTube. Um, you know, it's still very much in the early phases of pre-production and, and idea generating. But one of the areas I'm really interested in, and I've actually begun to talk to some artists about this, is I really want to turn Annabelle into a graphic novel. Oh, I think that that would be amazing. I think that the I think that the imagery that I use and that, and that Dennis has contributed and like so much of it is visual. So much of the storytelling is visual that words on a page never can do it justice. I mean, the, the place of the sun of silent stuff alone, the way it looks in my head, there's no way words on a page can possibly make it look the way it looks in my head. And I think that to have an artist bring those descriptions of scenery and, you know, human reactions to life through, through their drawing, I think would just, it would do this story more justice than any other medium. I think that exists. I I think it's also really cool that you this this is the perfect culture and time to be able to do graphic novels when comic books and uh like that that kind of that nerdier kind of culture is really at a at at an all time high. Like and, and it's something that's oh, very certainly. celebrated. And it's like and it's like it's it's crazy going into like a Barnes and Noble and seeing. Fight Club Two and like an array of graphic novels on on like the the main bestseller stand. When years ago that would have never even happened before, <laughs> so that would be a that, oh most definitely yeah I yeah. think that and, would you know, be and, awesome. And obviously the obviously the superhero culture is bigger than it's ever been, but I think largely I think we have The Walking Dead to thank for this popularity in in graphic novels themselves oh, yeah. and that type of storytelling. This where hey, you don't have to like Superman or Captain America to enjoy this story. This is just a story about people in an apocalypse. And I think that the unbelievable popularity of that of that series has allowed things like this to happen. You know, and that's, you know uh, Preacher just got picked up by AMC, and that's actually Seth Rogen who did Preacher, which is like, just blew my mind that he had anything to do with Preacher. But <laughs> yeah. you're just seeing this now. Because graphic novels have this unique ability to leave so much 
open to increasing the visual story storytelling. You know, you can read the Walking Dead series, which I've read in its entirety twice. Yes, I'm endorsed that way. But, <laughs> you know, and, and it looks and it feels one way on the page, and then you see the way they bring it to life in the television show, and you're just able to, you know, whereas in a comic, you kind of have to fill the silence with some, some language, you know, but on a television screen or a movie screen, it can just be a look or it can be a moment of silence that tells the story. So it's the idea of taking Annabelle into all sorts of different areas is just exciting because it, it presents new challenges, it presents new possibilities every time you try to do something new. Absolutely. And I've always, I, I, I've just, I've been blown away by the theatrics behind the story and, and the way it has. I've always gotten kind of, and and forgive me if this, if this isn't the, the kind of area you're coming with, I always got that kind of Edgar Allan Poe, gothic era literature vibe from the music that you guys were putting out and from that story. And I always, I was always drawn to that as a teenager when I was in school. Like those were the only stories I paid attention to when they were teaching them in English class because they were the only ones that interested sure. me because they were so dark. Um, yeah, most certainly. I mean, uh, the emptiness and Annabelle, that's directly inspired by Edgar Allan Poe. She's named after Annabelle Lee, which was the last poem published posthumously by Edgar Allan Poe. So that yeah. was kind of our way to pay homage to him. And, you know, it's crazy because when you read the book, you'll notice that a large majority of it is fairly contemporary in its storytelling. I mean, it's still an abstract story at its core. But, you know, the confession stuff is largely more accessible in a language and a storytelling device kind of way, but it's cool because we're I'm still able to wrap those darker, more romantic elements of Poe and of Dante Alighieri and, and bring those in so that the, the universe feels like this chaotic push and pull of like, oh, one minute it's, you know, a couple having breakfast at the table with their kids, and the next minute it's some guy running away from a shitty monster in some sort of purgatory. So yeah. it was kind of fun to to make that all work together in the overall plot and the way that it twists and turns. Absolutely. Um, I was always curious to know um, when I when I look when I researched a little bit more about you guys and kind of learned more about the writing behind your music and the stories and all that kind of stuff. I was very curious to know where your I guess your flair for the dramatic and for that kind of theatrical element where, where all that kind of came from and where that maybe started yeah I mean I guess it's, it's so tough to tell because you know I've always been just a huge fan of books and movies and television and, and anything that is fiction I, I love fiction and I I love I always love the idea that even as a performer in a rock band you can play a character once you're on stage yeah um you know, anybody who knows me knows that I'm, I'm largely a laid-back guy in, in regular life. And, you know, and the, the way that I perform on stage is completely opposite to that. You know, and I, but because I've, I've always looked at it like, it's showtime, we're about to hit the stage, I'm not me anymore. I'm this character that is a member of Alexana. And I think that, that that theatrical vibe that follows our band sort of just kind of happened organically. You know, it's, I can't say it was right there at our first show, um, although the matching outfits and some of the, the eyeliner and things like that. We, we did that stuff right off the bat. And that, yeah. that was, again, too, and I know a lot of bands do eyeliner. We did not invent <laughs> eyeliner. But, but that was in, important for us to do because, again, it was like, when we're up there, we're not Dennis and Sean and Patrick and Jeremy. We were out there and we're this one cohesive thing. And when it came time to do the emptiness, it was like, let's step this up to the next level. Like, that, that was when it was like, we want to be 
theatrical as hell. We want the record to have a live string quartet on it. We want to wear suits on stage. We want the performance to feel like you're watching a play. And, and when we did A Place with the Sun, we actually went as far as to, you know, add the opening bit where you get the curtains drawing open and, you know, the MC asking people to take their seats. Like, we wanted it yeah, to feel I loved that. like yeah. a play. Yeah. Um, so going off of that, then, when you were um... – so when you transitioned from the the area from, and I'm totally blanking on the album name. It's oh, where myth fades to legend. I don't know why I blanked on that. That was the first thing I ever heard from you guys. Um, from when you went from the transition from doing that album, and you're like, yeah, we've got this theatric element, and then you're going into the next album, and it's like, okay, we're gonna do we're gonna do this. We're gonna take this to the next level. What was the major difference in recording and writing as a band when you were pulling that story together? Because I, I, I felt that there was some kind of a story within the songs on Where Myth Fades to Legend, but I, I wasn't totally sure. But then on, on The Emptiness, it was completely clear. Yeah, so Where Myth Fades to Legend is an interesting part in our career, um, and it's one that I'm glad happened because I think it was really ironically, what shaped what we were meant to be and what we would become with the emptiness. And the, and the emptiness to me is our opus. That's, that's when we're like, this is exactly what this band is, and that's what this record is going to tell everybody. Yeah. With Women's Face Legend, it was, you know, it was based on Brothers, Brothers from Fairy Tales and some other classic literature, and much like we did Greek mythology in the previous record. So there was no cohesive plot A to plot B story going on, but it was all based in literature and, and retelling different grim tales. Um, but with with that, you know, our image for that record and the music video we chose to do, we kind of hit that that sophomore feeling that some bands get where you're so worried about getting pigeonholed. Like, you know, yeah. when Pro Wings was out, that, that whole eyeliner screamo scene was, was just exploding. Oh, it was and, huge. But yeah. we knew but we knew in our hearts that we were more than just that. And that's not to insult the other bands. That's just to say that we wanted to be different than that. We wanted to be yeah. storytellers and all about the theatrical. And um, But we kind of went so hard in the opposite direction. I mean, we did photo shoots where we're holding cell phones, and they were all bright colors and white. And the music video was like, hey, we want people to know that we're also fun-loving guys. Because that screamo eyeliner scene was getting so much negative reaction about suicide and cutting and all this stuff. And it's like, holy cow, man, we're just a group of dudes who tell nerdy stories and are just laid back goofy guys in their life. And we really didn't want that predisposition to follow our band around. And so we kind of just went really hard in the opposite direction. And when that happened and, and the way we made Women's Face was and we weren't happy with the final product and, and you know, Steve Evans, who we made the record with, is, is a great, great human being, but we, I don't think he understood our vision and we weren't really happy with it with the way that record turned out. It wasn't the way we wanted to do it. And so that experience drove us to, you know what, with this next record, we're doing everything exactly the way we want to do it. You know, then the people who want to have predisposed opinions of us and we are going to go to the producer we want to go to and we're going to write these songs exactly how we want to do them. And I think that's why the emptiness turned out to be that, that tide turning record for us because there's nothing but honesty and passion on that record. It's exactly how we wanted it done. And the final product is 100% what we were going for. 
how long did it take to record the emptiness with having like the string quartet with having all those different elements come in like oh i mean was that was that was that a grueling process for you guys or was that more like holy shit this is so exciting or like what what was it like for you guys in that sense yes um so definitely grueling for me because you know and i'm sure for the other guys too but you know when it comes (laughs) to string quartet and the choirs and everything like that you know i i write all that i'm transcribed it into the street music so that they could play it and I'm the one who met with the musicians ahead of time and I had to sit through the actual sessions they were there and you know it's, I remember when we got finished doing the emptiness I actually had a stomach infection because I had stayed up like four and a half days straight at the end to make sure everything got done oh my god and I just remember on the, I remember on the flight home just being like I feel like I'm going to die <laughs> it oh was just man absolutely awful totally worked in the end but yeah all told it was three weeks of pre-production so the songs were kind of already we don't generally start pre-production until we're about 75% there. So three weeks of pre-production, and then it was six weeks all told to do to do the actual tracking. And then, of course, there's several weeks of me staying in touch with our producer and working on the mixes and the production value of this. So I guess at the end of the day, probably another three weeks there. If you look at 12 weeks, about three months to do that record from beginning to end. And that's not including writing the songs. <laughs> wow, that's, that's I mean making the record. That is insane. Like I that that's a process that I, I man, that that's just crazy to me. Like I've been I I've been searching and kind of going back on my own just just kind of as a hobby and looking back at some of how like some of those bigger like uh like the classic rock records that had like that kind of theatric this is going to be a big stadium kind of show vibe to it. and I and the mm-hmm. process generally took that long but it's just it, it's 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 insane just to even think about like i feel like if i was to, if i ever get in the studio and do stuff i just want to i just want it to kind of be like all right here's what i have let's put it out as quickly as we can because i feel like i'm gonna forget it <laughs> right, I, don't, sure. I don't have that focus That's i guess why, you could say when it, when it takes that long it's because of the diligence that you're putting into all those phases so that those things don't happen you know oh, yeah it's all about attention to detail and scheduling it out and then getting it done right and we did the, the exact same process for place for the sun asylum exact same time frame same approach same string quartet like all that stuff and that was cool because going into that record we had a little bit more of an idea of like okay this is the time it's going to take this is the toll it's going to take on my body and everything like that um the only catch there was i added in the four extra songs which were just like piano based and really string quartet heavy which was a brand new challenge for me so that kind of yeah eliminated the knowing what to expect as it presented new challenges but for me i'm not making a new record unless i'm going to be challenged in, in new and exciting ways and you know when it takes me in time to do concessions i decided i wanted the record to feel intense i wanted it to feel like a panic attack from beginning to end like just this crazy abstract never really lets up and when it lets up you're glad it let up because like holy crap i need a minute to catch my breath kind of thing and so i purposely set like just absolutely absurd deadlines on everything <laughs> uh, much to the chagrin of my wife and my producer but it was, <laughs> you know <laughs> at the end of the day it's like i i knew how i wanted the record to feel and the only way for it to feel that way was for it to be written and recorded that way with that sense of like if i don't do this right now it's not going to get done and it just and it Ultimately, I, I'm super proud of that record, maybe more than any other one, just because it really did turn out that way. Like It's got that exact feeling to it and that vibe to it, and it's been received really well, and it's, I don't know, it's very exciting. I, I completely agree with you on the vibe. That actually answered the next question, which was, which, what 
kind of prompted the return to heaviness um, for con- confessions, and not necessarily the return, but like the there there was far more aggression on that record than I I guess on a place where the where the sun is silent. But I that answered it perfectly. So there you go. Uh, well, it's crazy too because I think some of that aggression is intentional too because. You know, we made a promise to ourselves from day one that we were never going to write the same record twice. Whether yeah. that meant alienating some fans that only wanted us to sound a certain way or whatever, we didn't care. Like, we're going to make the record that we want to make every single time. And A Place for the Sun Asylum was definitely different for us, but that's what made it so beautiful, in my opinion. And I, I absolutely love that record. I, I wouldn't change a single thing about it. You know, and one of the largest criticisms we got with that record was, oh, you guys need to be heavy, just heavy anymore. It's like, well, I guess your idea is heavy and mine differ a little bit. But anyway, they so with confessions, it was like, okay, you want heavy? I'm going to get heavy and weird. (laughs) And and it was like, you know, the the heavy parts were more like, oh, what you thought we forgot how to write heavy. Like, we can write heavy. We were choosing not to write that style of heavy on that record. And it was intentional, thematically and conceptually. It's almost like people think that musicians can only do one form of genre just because their band has one form of a genre at first. Right, right. Yeah, no, I, t- I totally hear you. Um, we'll wrap this up really quickly um, w- or within the next couple no, of minutes. Um, but I, first, I sincerely impre- appreciate your time. It's, it's been awesome to talk to you and find out more about kind of the story I've been following for the past several years, which I, I think is awesome. Um, and, uh, so generally I wrap up these interviews and these podcasts with a question, um, or these two questions, but one of them I'm going to change up a little bit differently. Um, usually it's this question of what kind of message would you like fans to walk away with after listening to your music? But in the case of Annabelle and in the case of the story, um, was there any kind of message you were trying to portray with writing the story? Because I feel like sometimes in fiction, there's always some sort of, underlying message or lesson in a story and i'm curious to know uh if there was any kind of message you were trying to create with the story or if it was literally just to just create this universe and create these characters no absolutely um any good story is going to have themes and and a message you're trying to get across this isn't just a random collection of people doing a random collection of things um you know this annabelle is a story about relationships not just you know, boy meets girl kind of stuff. It's the relationships we have with everybody, um, including ourselves. And that's why there's so many references to mirrors and trying in, in this idea of, do you really see yourself, your true self when you look at yourself in the mirror? And um, I think you'll find that a lot of the, the bipolarness to, to so many of these characters isn't about the separate characters existing. It's about the, the separate things we all are as people, you know, inherently yeah. as people we, we all do good things we all do bad things we all make great choices poor choices um you know and to and to think otherwise is just to be arrogant and so there's a lot of you know references to that the idea of arrogance and what arrogance can do to you and a lot of this idea of if people would just slow down and open up their eyes and pay attention to those around them and to themselves then they might find that their decision making in life gets simpler um, and so really going into reading the book, if you can keep those sorts of things in mind that not everything is as it seems on the page and it's about the exploration of people and the different ways they can behave and the way that we all see one another. Beautiful. 
Um, and the last question I have is, it's kind of, I've sort of dubbed it as like the, the almost famous question after the, that movie. Um, but that's my favorite movie of all time. That's my favorite movie of all time too. That's, um, where I got, I've never, I've never once written a record for Al Santa where that uh, movie is not on repeat in the background. (laughs) I, I'm not even kidding. At this point in my life, that movie has probably played in my presence. Two to three thousand Probably the same for me. <laughs> oh my god, it's my favorite. So, um, what does music mean to you? Music to me is all about what it does to you and the way it makes you feel. Um, you know, it's. I think a lot about how music can be so nostalgic and um, and how it can take you back to any one one moment. I think that's where music is the greatest. Is that I have a very eclectic taste in music and I encourage everybody to have that. When, when somebody says, Oh, I only listen to metal. I, I feel really bad for that person that, that they can only find enjoyment in music based on one style. I think it's, it's like taking one chip out of a, out of a potato chip bag and only eating that one chip. Like you just, it's, it's crazy to me. There's there's so many more things you can see and experience to music and it all takes you to a different place. And, I think that's what makes music so magical, more more so than anything. And the way I've always sort of answered this question, if it gets asked, is I pose this question back: is what would your life be like if you took music out of it entirely? That means music you hear when you're in your car, when your alarm goes off, music that's in any movie or television show you ever watch. Take it all away and look at life without it, and tell me how that would make you feel. And I think that says it all about what music truly means. Oh yeah, I I 100% agree with you. Um, I it, someone else posed that question to me, and I, I I was totally I thought about that for a second, and I was like, holy shit! Like it, you don't you completely forget like your cell phone buzzes, your uh like you just said the alarm goes off. The that means any background music in TV, which essentially just means that it's just dialogue like we're having right now, just going back and forth, but for like the entire day so i i completely yep. hear where you're coming from and i'm very stoked to hear that that is your favorite movie that's one of my favorites too <laughs> <laughs> awesome um well we will bring this to an end uh sean man it was such a pleasure thank you so much where can people find the where can people go and order the book uh, a couple different places um the, the main place i'll encourage people to go to would be the annabelle trilogy.com uh that's where you can see the bundles order the book it also has um, every music video Allison has ever released that's in relationship to the trilogy. Awesome. Uh, it's kind of a cool one-stop shop for everything Annabelle, uh, including any interviews that I've done. Everything will all be available there. Uh, it's just a cool way that if you have no idea what the trilogy is, well, that's a good place to start. Very nice. All right, man. Then, oh, um, oh, go for go for it. <laughs> No, I was just going to or you can just visit alexander.merchnow.com. That's another more direct place to get it from. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Sean. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to you, and we'll get this posted as soon as possible. Likewise, man. Thanks awesome. a lot. Take care. Have a good one. You too. Yeah. Bye.